Welcome back to Africa Science Focus, the weekly show that keeps you up to date with the latest science and development news from across the continent. 25 coffee-producing countries in Africa have just signed the Nairobi Declaration. The declaration was made at the G25 African Coffee Summit and seeks to include coffee in the African Union's list of strategic commodities, which would enable the coffee sector to receive more finance and attention. This week, you'll be joining me, Michael Kaloki, as I attend the meeting of Africa's 25 leading coffee-growing countries, which together provide more than 10% of the world's coffee beans. But as you'll hear, climate change is threatening Africa's coffee industry. So as I look around me here, I see a number of delegates uh, making their way in. There are also a number of booths here uh, where they seem to have uh, coffee available for one to taste. And maybe I'll just try it out before I go into the conference. Hello, hi, how are you? I'm good. I see you have some coffee here for, for tasting. Yes, we do. Please have some gifts. Okay, thank you. And what, what kind of coffee is this, if I can ask you, sir? There's a gentleman here, I assume he's a barrister. He's serving me the coffee? Yeah, I'm serving uh, Espresso Gibson's coffee. Espresso, oh, okay. Two sugars. That's what my mom says, doesn't allow anymore. Thank you. This is wonderful coffee, I have to say. Really rich in flavor. Usually without milk has a particularly kind of, well strong taste but this one doesn't well i guess now i'll uh, walk into the conference and see what is being discussed it's a difficult time for coffee farmers in sub-saharan africa and i'm here to find out why dr elijah gishiru is director of the coffee research institute which is part of the kenya agricultural and livestock research organization the first thing i want to know is what exactly are we talking about when we say coffee? Coffee as a species, there are many species, but below the species are varieties. Internationally, we know uh, in terms of botanical classification under the genus Coffea, where coffee belongs, there are about 100 and currently could be over 100 species. Then within each species, there are varieties. Uh, some are natural variations within the species, others are created by breeding. Dr. Benson Apoyo is the Deputy Director of Market Research and Product Development at the Kenyan Agriculture Ministry's Coffee Directorate. As he explains, the plant is essential for both Kenya and Sub-Saharan Africa. Coffee is a very important crop to the Kenyan economy. It contributes around 0.25 of the Kenya's GDP and it also contributes around 25% of the agriculture sector. It offers this country foreign exchange and it is the fourth leading foreign exchange earner for the country. It also offers employment to a number of people, including coffee farmers, who are around 800,000, 
uh, small-scale farmers and about 3,000 large-scale farmers. It contributes directly and indirectly a livelihood to about 3 million Kenyans. What about if you're looking out at the wider African continent? In the world production, if you look at the global coffee production, you'll find that three African countries appear among the top 10 coffee producing countries in the world. We also have other 23 producing countries that also depend on, on coffee. A report on Uganda's coffee sector by the non-profit organization Farm Africa found that women contribute 58% of labor during fieldwork and harvest and 72% of post-harvest labor, and yet women struggle to make enough money from coffee farming to live. The contribution of women to the sector appeared to be represented at the G25 summit. Looking around, I would have predicted that nearly half of the delegates were women. I found a quiet moment to catch up with Kenyan coffee farmer Prudence Jackie. I started by asking her what she thought about the role of female farmers in the coffee sector. We are the builders of homes. So most of us are the cultivators back in the primary level because most of our husbands as professionals are there. They will work in offices, they'll have white-collar jobs, while us women, we are left to cultivate the land and take care of our children. What are the challenges that women coffee farmers face? And I focus specifically on them because this is a group of society that you work with. I mean, during April and May, we have the long lanes, which we have not even received, and even last year. So it will affect on the harvest. So the harvest, maybe they were expecting, maybe from one acre farm to have like uh, uh, 20, 100 bags, the production will be lower. And we thought they are not able to sell it to the, um, to the international market, so they can only sell it to the uh, local market. And uh, also that one, uh, apart from the climatic change, we have the lack of knowledge. Some of them, they're not exposed and they have no access even to get the ma- ma- to, to the market. As Pruden says, climate change is a major issue for the coffee sector. Let's go back to Dr. Elijah Gishuru to hear how it's affecting coffee production in sub-Saharan Africa. So we all have adaptation to where we live. Uh, if you shift myself to, you know, Iceland, I need a lot of modification to survive there. So being a biological system, it is re- adapted to certain ecological zones. And coffee is produced near the equator, where it is warm, so it is not adopted for the extremes of temperatures. And different species, of course, have different ranges of their preferred temperatures. For example, Arabica is a hybrid crop, so it withstands moderate cool temperatures, while Robusta is for humid, hot temperatures near lakes, near the oceans, and things like that. So if there is a change of parameter important for the survival of the plant, then of course it's threatened. Then being a biological system, other than itself reacting, there is also reaction of the ecosystem around it. One is diseases. So if, for example, we have refrats, which is a lower zone, hot uh, climate zone, 
and disease, if there is warming, then it comes higher than where it usually occurs. Then also there is a change of, um, for example, a parameter of nutrition. If there is no water, the plant will not get nutrients out of the soil. If the rain comes, yes, in quantities adequate, but in distribution poor, we also have poor uptake of uh, nutrients and therefore the performance of the crop becomes um, affected. Now, depending on what happens and the results, definitely to affect subsequent issues. What I have in mind is, for example, when coffee is harvested. If there is uh, um, continuous flowering, it's also harvested continuously, to the consumer it gets a fresh product continuously coming to the market, to the producer it becomes very expensive to operate. So there is a multitude of effects of climate change from the production to consumption. Of course we will react to each uh, in a different way. One way is changing the technology of the plant itself. Now when you look at uh, the biology of the plant again we are doing breeding, that's a long term. So that's where, for example, crossing Robusta coffee and Arabica coffee to have a coffee variety that can withstand higher temperatures, but still have the quality parameters desirable in Arabica. We are also testing varieties between countries. The idea being, uh, I wanted to see how my coffee will survive in your environment, while I also check what will happen with your coffee in my environment. Um, like I said, the pests and diseases, management and so on, and resistance and so on. That means then we can say as temperatures rise, which varieties will survive better because already I've tested them in an environment which is hotter than I'm experiencing in my place. And the other person is also having a, um, a, an answer to another question, like for example, if they don't have a particular disease like coffee berry disease, suppose it runs there, what will happen? We have other insects like um, black twiggy, boras, which do not happen in Kenya now. We have coffee oat disease. So there is a lot of learning for us to do so that as a community then we are prepared for changes that may eventually come. Now the other thing is like we have mentioned in nutrition. Then we look for formulations which maybe will have slow release of nutrients for a longer time. Then you look into irrigation and smart irrigation for that case, irrigate until when the other rain comes. So that then you also don't have the stress in between to reduce another flowering. That's what we are changing. The technology of production has to change. Then the technology of the processing. If water is scarce, then we are introducing processing with minimum amount of water or without water. And that's where natural coffee production, uh, coffee processing, that's drying, efficient drying of very nice coffee, and it gives another taste, which also has a niche market. So we have also to change that uh, kind of um, processing to suit what we, we have at our disposal. Of course, this will be complemented by, for example, use of water harvesting technologies so that when the storms come, you are able to harvest either in form of dams or storage tanks for the small-scale farmers so that then you can use that water to supplement the crop thereafter or for processing purposes thereafter. Now, we have to be smart and looking at technology of what we are doing today, we have to change a lot. If 
There is a shortage of energy, especially in Kenya we use hydroelectric energy. Then we have to use other sources of energy and we are thinking of solar energy and wind energy. That also resonates with the whole agenda of governments and the world over to go green as much as possible and we want to contribute to that. As we've heard, coffee drinkers around the world won't be the only ones who will miss out if coffee plants can't survive in a warmer world. Prudence is part of a collaboration that supports small-scale female farmers to succeed in the industry. I had an interest to work with uh, women in the primary level or the small-scale farmers and uh, who have maybe from their land from 20 acres, 10 acres, they have been reduced to three or two uh, due to inheritance and there are small scales that they cannot even compete in the international market. So we were to, to bring uh, the awareness to the uh, primary level, uh, also add value to the coffee that they use uh, apart from consumption that is well known to other nations and to international level, then also in our beauty, in the beauty world, we, we use coffee, grounded coffee, on our faces uh, where we add honey and we can use it as a mask. Then also we can use it as a, as a scrub when we add any oil on coffee, then we scrub our body. Also, because it is organic coffee, when you add um, oil and you put it on your hair, it becomes a hair treatment. And with that empowerment to the women in the low scale farming, no matter how, how, how early you have, maybe from 10 kgs to 20 kgs coffee, we can transform it and also uh, be able to to, to be a source of income to the women in the primary level. That's our show for today. To find out more, go to the SciDevNet website at www.scidev.net and you can get in touch with the Africa Science Focus team by emailing podcast at scidev.net Net. Today's show was produced by Harrison Lewis with editing by Fiona Broom and Ogechi Ekeanyao. I'm Michael Kaloki. Until next week, goodbye. Africa Science Focus is produced by SciDevNet and distributed in association with your local radio station.